This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hey, this is T. Blankenship. Are you a fan of Pi? Where there is Pi at permies.com. This Pi grants the user of secret access. You also get free things like videos of Wheaton Labs, the ability to add two thumbs up, two posts, and more. To get Pi, go to permies.com forward slash Pi to get the inside scoop of what Pi can do for you. Again, that is permies.com forward slash Pi. But this leads into two two questions. One is what time of year? And two, when I plant seeds out in the, I like, here go, seed, toss. And then later I'm like, every weed, I'm like, are you my seedling or are you a weed that I want to chop and drop? And I don't know. Right? You're not going to know. And then, and then it's going to grow up and then you'll find out and you'll figure it out from there. And you'll, you'll snip the stuff you don't want. And then even if it is a weed, a lot of times it's like, ah, oh, I know you are, I know, that you are lamb's quarters, but I'm going to eat you when you get bigger. I didn't plant you, but but I do eat you. And so there's some of that. And it's like lamb's quarters, there is you are next to my tomato that I planted the seed right there for. So bye-bye, lamb's quarters. <laughs> there's plenty of you all over the place. So I'm going to you're you're going to not grow here. Um there's, um, I don't know. All right. All right. Um, you, you, you asked something else, Katie, and I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, time of year. Uh, I time of year. Of course, the, the best time to have planted anything was yesterday. And the second best time is today. Um, and, and I think, uh, with trees, there's going to be a certain time of year where the ground is like cement because of the freezy things, which you don't have in Hawaii, but we have here. I think that's, that's going to be a bad day to plant anything. Um, but, uh, uh, it's just because you can't get into the ground and the tree is not going to be able to really get a good start there. But, um, my experience is, is that pretty much any day can work. And the best time tends to be for like for apples, for most things seems to be spring. But um, I would I would say summer can be fine, fall can be fine. There's all times. I mean, all these other times of year can work just fine. I think that the important thing is, especially if it's bare root, don't leave it outside long. Plant it right away. Don't don't be dilly dallying, you know. But I think for most gardeners, they don't have a problem with dilly dallying. It's kind of like I must. I think that the smart thing to do is that when you're at the nursery, like don't buy more than what you can do in four hours. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Don't get so carried away that you're going to give yourself an obligation. Obligation is poison. Don't poison yourself. So I would, I would limit it to what you can plant in four hours. Does everybody agree with that? Does that sound like a good rule of thumb? Four that hours? sounds sensible. So. Yeah. I'd also agree because you just, sometimes when you're like, say, prepping a site, you start to get lazy after four hours instead of like, making sure that you have like 
the roots nicely spread out and that the area is well prepped and it's funneling water towards it instead of away. You're like, oh, I'll just get in the ground. When when I had that summer, when I read more than a hundred gardening books, one of the things that was in one of those books said, it's better to put a ten cent plant in a ten dollar hole mm. than to put a ten dollar plant in a ten cent hole. Yeah, I could totally understand that. Yeah, and so you know, take some care, do a nice job. Don't put too much composty stuff in there. Don't make it too hot and too rich in the hole. Uh, loosen the soil for a long ways. Give the roots a lot of space to kind of get a, get started with and spread out. Um, don't pack it too tight. Don't pack it too loose. Stuff like that. Um, anyway, I, uh, yeah, four hour rule. That's, I think the four hour rule is a good rule. Then the next, then the next beautiful thing about the four hour rule is you get to go back to the nursery and buy some more. So in the meantime, I heartily encourage you to buy lots and lots and lots of perennial seeds. And um, plus, you know, if your apple is magnificent, save the seeds and plant those. Um, and if you're lazy, just chuck the apple core into your compost bucket. And the next thing you know, you'll have, like five little apple trees all right next to each other <laughs> and it'll be dumb. But um, yeah, maybe only one or two of them will make it. I know that because you put an apple core in, it had all those seeds all together and they're all bunched up. And so you might need to go out there with a pair of scissors and snip a couple of them. Okay. Are we ready to go on to our primary mission yet? Or do we have anything more to talk about today? Ready. Let's, let's do the primary mission. Chapter three, the wicked lies about light bulbs. Now, I want to say Sean really went to town on this chapter. It was, it was his big love to work on this chapter. And so while we took my article and we, we trimmed it down a lot, um, and we made it far more efficient, far more lightweight, it also got beefed back out with a lot of new information that Sean was able to look up and verify. And so this is this is probably the most researched chapter in the whole book. But most importantly is that when the whole book went out for review and we got feedback, um, most of the feedback was about this chapter. And it it and it's like, why is this chapter even here? This is dumb. So so this one little bit about the chapter, we had to, it, this is one of those cases where we had to say it three times. So because of the feedback that we got during the review process, we modified the chapter to say this one thing three times. Or normally throughout the book, if we say it more than once, we delete the, you know, the, 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 the repeated, repeaty stuff, the duplicate stuff. We only need to say it one time. But in this particular case, it turns out we have to say it three times. So I imagine it's going to be the very first paragraph. It's been a while since I've looked. Yes, it's the very first paragraph. Light bulb stuff is pretty trivial. But far too many people are utterly certain that decisions about light bulbs are so globally important that they won't consider other solutions. 
We have to crush this barrier so we can talk about the really substantial stuff. Again, this paragraph is basically duplicated twice more in this chapter. We have to. There's no other way. And if, does anybody want to argue with me about that? <laughs> so, um, it, cause it came back over and over again, like, why, 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 why? And so now we, and it was in there, but we, but now we say it three times. Many years ago, an interviewer asked me what I thought I would, if I could, put into the heads of all people in the world. I started thinking about rocket mass heaters, body designs, polyculture, removing toxicity, and reducing disease. While these would all have a profound impact on the world, a nauseous feeling set in. As I realized, my best answer was, what people have been told about the relationship between light bulbs and the environment is all twisted for the sake of large companies and their profits. I never wanted to be the light bulb guy. Really, I didn't. I'd rather be known for much cooler things. At the same time, when I try to talk about these cooler things, people say, I don't want to hear about that because I already bought the light bulbs. We've seriously got to get past the light bulb thing in order to really start solving the world's problems. If we are exploring saving energy used for lighting, I think the first step is to explore your lighting habits rather than buying new bulbs. Years ago, when I made my videos about the problems with compact fluorescent lights, CFL bulbs, I was living by myself. I calculated that I spent $8 per year on electricity for lighting. Yes, that is dollars per year and not dollars per month. And all of my light was incandescent. For many years, the light bulb that would save the world was the CFL bulb. I think I have proven that they are awful in a long list of ways. I'll skip past that disaster in this book. If you're still on the CFL train, then go read the stuff I wrote at richsoil.com. It seems like these days people have moved on to LED lighting as the light bulb that will solve all our problems. In this chapter, I'll spell out in excruciating detail why I think that in 2019 the most environmentally friendly light bulb remains in most cases, despite all modern innovation, the incandescent light bulb. Once we've got that covered, we can move on to solving the rest of the world's problems. Free light bulbs, love and kisses from China. Right now, nearly every power company in the United States is happy to provide a free, and i got to put free in quotes, free energy audit. They will typically come to your home, do a five-minute analysis on weather stripping, and then load you up with, quote, free light bulbs. And if you don't want the, quote, audit, they will gladly just ship you the light bulbs. Of course, these bulbs are not really free. It's not like the people in China love us so much that they 
uh, make them and carry them to our houses, complete with a gift note saying, you are so awesome. We wish to illuminate you XOXO. The reality is that you're paying for them in a different way, either through taxes or the electric bill. If the goal is to save energy, the power company would save a lot more energy providing you at the clothesline. So why don't they do that? The answer is what you'd expect, profit. The light bulb companies have so many different subsidy programs coming from so many different places that they're making serious bank per bulb. The trick is to move the bulbs. And this is the reason the light bulb companies lobbied to ban incandescent light bulbs, their own product. I feel like this is a lot of wickedness. I don't want to support this wickedness. And the LED is being set up to be the new CFL. So I have a bit of anti-LED bias right out of the gate. Have any of you guys done this energy audit thing? No. And? I said no. Oh, you said no. Okay. I have. Okay. Katie. They gave me the biggest box of light bulbs I'd ever seen. It was glorious. All LEDs, of course. But they did actually like, turn on all the ceiling fans, and they eventually figured out that it was uh, my neighbors, because we were doing it for the whole house. Um, and so one of the people who lives in the building, they have this, uh, I forget what they're called, but they're a device that records stuff on the TV so you can watch it later. Uh, and this was only like less than five years ago. But uh, it was that, that being left on all day and the fans being set to high instead of lower medium that was creating a pretty high energy bill compared to expectations. Um, so they did, they did, a, they did a decent job trying to pinpoint what was causing a lot of the uh, power use in the house. Um, but they also did, of course, leave us with the giant light bulb box free. Now, I, I suspect that in Hawaii, that LED would, would actually be not bad. I mean, I, I'm going to go into that in the book that basically the conclusion is, is that if you live in a cold climate and you're on the grid, incandescent is better. But if you're off grid, there's a strong case to be made for LED. And if you are in a warm climate, there's a strong case to be made for LED. But in a cold climate, on the grid, incandescent is a strong winner. So anybody else get an energy audit? Nope. Nope. Okay, here we go. Nope. Legally pump stimulants into your employees all day with blue light. Incandescent light has a long, rich history of providing high-quality light. LED light has a long, rich history of saying LED light quality is better. And it turns out the comparison was to LED light from a couple of years before, which was awful. So better meant worse than incandescent, but better than earlier attempts at LED. LED lights have come a long way on this path. There have been some folks who have done special analysis on a variety of LED bulbs and have found that some do a very good job of emulating natural daylight. One person doing the analysis claimed that this was the ultimate test, that 
This is complete proof that a good LED light provides light as good as or better than incandescent. After all, natural daylight is helpful in elevating mood, increasing attention span, and improving one's reaction time. Natural daylight has a lot of high-energy blue light in it. Cool white LEDs also produce a lot of blue light. It is this blue light that gives such beneficial effects during the day. That said, we have evolved for many thousands of years without electric light. Our bodies are used to following the natural cycles of sunrise and sunset, and the spectral analysis of natural sunset light differs greatly from that of natural daylight. Natural sunset light has very little blue in it and a lot more orange and red. An overwhelming amount of research has shown that blue light in the evening suppresses the secretion of melatonin, wrecking natural sleep cycles. This is the same reason we're not supposed to look at screens right before bed. Not only does blue light affect sleep, it also affects emotional behaviors and hormone production. And these three things fuel a long list of ailments. Our bodies are being told by the light that it's still daytime. Therefore, while those cool white LEDs might be all right for light quality during the day, their quality in the evenings is greatly diminished. And it's generally during the evenings that we use lights the most. Note that warm white LEDs have much less blue in them than cool white LEDs. Warm white LEDs use a yellow phosphor coating on the inside of the bulbs to shift the blue light closer to the yellow and green parts of the spectrum. This reduces the concerns of the effects of sleep cycle disruption by evening lighting. That said, the phosphor coating sometimes degrades and starts to allow more blue light out again. I think, this is something that somebody actually complained about with my book. They said, this bastard says, I think, way too often. And I kind of feel like, oh, no, this is the language of the engineer. Uh, An engineer will qualify their statement with, I think, when it's not a fact. It's a It's an opinion. Uh, Engineer Kyle, did you have something to say? I was just going to agree with you on that one. I think you're correct. (laughs) I'm proud to say I think. You know what? I was under the understanding that you are correct about that. (laughs) If you want to use more words. What's the best answer an engineer can give for anything? I don't know, but I'll find out. I, I think I don't know. I've always thought if I could if if I could get an engineer to just utter the phrase I don't know, that's a damn good engineer. I don't know. Uh, great. You I, I hereby dub thee an engineer. <laughs> I think it's a politician who like makes up a bullshit answer on the spot. Not an engineer. Okay. Um I think that while the cert- the research on warm white LEDs promises much better quality than cool white LED light. There may still be some things about light quality that we don't fully understand. I think that besides sitting in the dark after sunset, the next best thing we can do for our bodies is to 
extend the sunset. Oddly enough, it turns out that the spectral analysis of natural sunset just so happens to be nearly identical to that of an incandescent light bulb. Some will naturally wonder why they don't just make LEDs that mimic the incandescent spectrum instead. After all, there are LEDs in all sorts of colors out there. Surely those smart engineers can figure it out. Unfortunately, the particular elements used in the production of blue light LEDs, which are what white light LEDs are made from, happen to be the most economical and efficient ones around. Switching the spectrum to the more, to be more in line with that of sunset and the incandescent bulb would impact both the cost and the efficiency, which might put a damper on sales. If they could somehow figure out a way around that, then there might be hope for even better quality LEDs. Until such time, here are my quality scores. Natural daylight outside for a couple of hours during the day. Ten. Best. Natural daylight behind glass during the day. Ten. Best. Incandescent light. Ten. Best. Really good LED light. Five. Average LED light. Three. All right. I, I, I tried to look this up like uh, two months ago, but they've got those new LED lights that are made to look like super old light bulbs. And they've got those little orange strings inside of them. Have you, have you seen these? Yep. Yeah. I'm kind of curious because they put those out are LED lights. Those are LED lights. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now there's some that are that are old school incandescent lights, and then but there's a bunch of these now that are LED lights, and they've got like these little yellow sticks in them, and they they glow, but they don't glow super bright. But I'd be I'd, I'm really curious about what the spectral analysis would be on those type of lights. I'm super curious. But I haven't been able to find anything. You start looking up spectral analysis of LED lights, and it only, like, you know, has one. And then they compare it to, you know, daylight, and they might throw in an incandescent bulb. Sometimes you can get something with a halogen bulb. But... um I, I'm, I'm really kind of curious about those. I'm also kind of curious about the efficiency of lumens per watt, too, because I kind of, my understanding is, is that the moment that you start trying to get an LED to do yellows and reds, it loses all of its efficiency. It's like, it's, it starts to, you know, suck in that space. They do is it's, they just put a mask on it, basically, that blocks out certain wavelengths you get like a you try to get it as wide as possible and then block out other stuff so i wonder if when it gets older if it starts to put out um like wider color um kind of like you know what's written in here about the um uh the, the phosphorescent goo kind of breaking down and stuff uh, i worked at a a company that you know i, I was uh I was packaging LED lights, like, you know, their housing and 
the thermal transfer, getting heat out of them and all that stuff. And we actually had the opposite problem where they kind of uh, browned as they got older. Oh, okay. Interesting. So then if they did that, it's possible, too, that they might just put out less light. Yeah. And then they would cross that barrier of, like, the amount of light per watt is worse than incandescent. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Were those bulbs using a plastic um, shell or whatever you'd call it, bulb versus glass? We just got the uh, the straight LEDs, and then we we did the packaging ourselves. So we yeah we put glass over them. All right, next section: the cartel that rigged the light bulb game. The challenge with incandescent light bulb longevity is the Phoebus cartel from 1924 when the manufacturers artificially shortened the lifespan of incandescent light bulbs in order to sell more of them. There are a few manufacturers now coming out with long-life incandescents. This is a great time to point out, uh, as many of you who have been here have seen that the light bulb test is still going. And I started that, like, I think 10 years ago. So that light bulb test has been running for 10 years and there are two light bulbs left. First, all the CFLs died ages ago. They, they've been gone for years. But there are two light bulbs that are still going in that test. And that's the LED and the long life incandescent. So for those that don't know, my very first Kickstarter was that I wanted to do an experiment, but the materials were too expensive. And so um, the Kickstarter gave me $1,100, so I was able to buy all these tools. And so they're still going. It's basically the main thing was this this special timer that would turn the lights on for 30 seconds and then turn them off for two minutes. And the idea was to kind of emulate um, the usage of light bulbs in uh, an environment environment where you generally just turn the light on for 30 seconds, like a hallway light or a light in a closet, um, uh, et cetera. There's, there's a variety of different uses where you just turn your light on for, for just a moment. And the labeling on the CFLs at the time, because I was dominantly wanting to test CFLs, LED lights were still a little bit new, but uh, they were like, oh, it's going to last uh, 12,000 hours. In fact, at one the light bulb that died first was labeled uh, to be a 12,000-hour bulb, and it only had an on time of 72 hours. Um, so it, it died quickly. Um, anyway, uh, the long-life incandescent was supposed to last 5,000 hours, but I think it's past 10,000 hours now. I mean, I'd have to do the math to figure it out, but... Um, and then the LED light is supposed to be uh, for 10,000 hours, and it's still going too. So, yeah, let's see who, who wins this. But I I think it was about a month ago that I last looked up and, and like, made sure there was still two lights on. Um, I haven't – I mean, I know it goes on and off all the time because uh, when you go into our pantry, that's where the test is still going. And it's like sometimes there's a light on. You don't need to turn the lights on. 
And it's like, then you're standing there trying to find something, and then the light goes off. All right, it's that experiment driving me crazy. Have any of you seen it? You've seen this test still going. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. 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 So um, one of these days, we'll find out who the winner is, uh, Long Life Incandescent or LED. In a world on the brink of social collapse, one website stands above the rest to fight back the zombie horde of corporate trolls. Permies.com. Take back control of your destiny and protect your loved ones from the toxic gick coming at you from all directions. Strap on your overalls and start building that bunker of abundance with the good vibes and friendly, helpful insight found at Permies.com. Okay. Um, we're talking about the Phoebus Cartel. Uh, there are a few manufacturers now coming out with long life incandescents, but I think a lot of innovation in this space has been curbed by the incandescent bulb being banned. There were a lot of CFLs labeled as lasting 12,000 hours, which often didn't make it past 200. Several of the tests I did are documented on the Internet. In this case, the most notable was the test where one CFL made it 72 hours before it died, which naturally makes one suspicious of whatever is written on the box. That said, I think that LED lights do generally have an authentic long lifespan. Let's not forget the Centennial light bulb in Livermore, California, which has been burning for more than a million hours. That is an incandescent bulb. While the playing board is currently riddled with a lot of nefarious cheating, I think it's possible that we can see both LED and incandescent bulbs built in such a way that they last 20 years or more. So I think the actual longevity race is a wash. Next section, it says, it says eco on the label. They forgot to mention carcinogenic. The story on incandescent light is pretty straightforward. There isn't much to those bulbs. So while I think there is some toxicity in the manufacture and disposal, it's pretty small. And it has a magnificent track record while in use. Let's explore the LED in comparison. Rather than the simple filament of an incandescent, an LED bulb needs a driver circuit, an LED panel, and a heat sink so that the whole thing doesn't catch on fire. The LED bulb could be a hundred times more sophisticated, and it has far more diversity in materials, highly toxic. Materials. A study by UC Irvine showed that LEDs are loaded with lead, arsenic, and other toxins that cause a variety of elements with cancer leading the parade. I'm sorry, that's, that's, uh, that cause a variety of ailments with cancer leading the parade. And then there's, uh, I mean, a lot of this chapter is loaded with footnotes to go to where you can get all the details on um, you know, supporting information. Is that 
Um, is that a concern for the end user, or is that mostly like people working in the factory? Yes. Okay. Good enough. I I think I think that uh, I mean one of the things is is the whole concept of the LEDs simply catching on fire. Oh yeah, it was my job to make them not do that. Yeah, please make them not do that. Um, and, uh, uh, so there's, there's a bit of that. And then of course, once they're on fire and they've got all these toxic things in them, those toxic things kind of end up in the smoke where, you know, you don't want to breathe that shit in. Right. Um, but, uh, there's going to be some of it. You're, you're going to get a little bit of it when it's brand new and there's some off gassing. Um, uh, and there's going to be some in the disposal. Um, but I would guess that there's probably most of it is going to be in the manufacturer, I would think. And that, but there is some bit that's going to be, but here, this is, this is the chapter where Sean really did his homework. And so, um, let me, let me get through the chapter first and see if it, uh, if it, Helps a little bit because this is Sean's, Sean's baby. I need to drag out the CFL corpse again for a moment. Hundreds of CFL factory employees have needed hospitalization due to succumbing to toxins in the environment of the factories. It is recognized that CFL disposable, disposal is so toxic that there's a special disposal protocol which most people don't follow. During their use, CFLs reduce IQ cause cancer, and catch on fire. CFL manufacturers claimed that these issues had been resolved, only it turns out they had not. These are the people who are building LED bulbs right now. I'm going to speculate that LED lights will have about one-third the toxic nightmare of CFLs, but they still have about 12 times more toxicity than incandescent lights. And I'm going to further speculate that the same can be said for the disposal. As for health issues for LED lights during their use, LEDs are still relatively new. So far, LED light has been proven to mess with sleep cycles. It's been, it has also shown the potential to cause problems for people with epilepsy, as well as contribute to malaise, headaches, and visual impairment. And apparently infrared light, which LEDs produce almost none of, is extremely important for all sorts of biological functions, such as eye health and cellular energy production. And those are just the problems we've figured out so far. You know, an interesting thing is, is that some of the first LED lights were in those clocks, those those red clocks, those clocks with the, with the red numbers on them, right? For you know, that's the clock you used to use a long time ago when when yep. it's like you know you see what time it is in the middle of the night. So <clears throat> those were red. It's kind of weird that now their primary color is more of a blue and hardly any red. I'm not sure what's up with that. But a uh, fascinating thing is the thing about epileptics. And so um, apparently there is just the tiniest hint of a flicker 
and LED light. But here's a, here's another really important thing. Um, I, I I suspect that you've been to a house or a business that has LED lights. I don't know. I want to I want to use the word because I've been to I've been to people's houses that use LED lights and they're so proud of their LED lights. And if I want to say like I'm trying to I don't think I've ever been to prison or been in a prison um, to visit even I I've never but I kind of feel like this is what I think a prison feels like, and it's entirely because of the lights. The LED lights. Is, am I the only one that has this sensation? Having worked in multiple jails over the years, um, there's a distinct lack of urine smell with LED lights. So I would say they, they do not have the feel of uh, prison. Unless you're just urinating on yourself at the same time, then you might start to approach that that smell and feel. Are you saying that when you go into prison, <laughs> it smells like urine? Oh, yeah, because there's lots of people who piss themselves every single day. And no matter how much you clean it, there's, it always smells like it. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I never knew that. That's, that's powerfully disturbing. Okay. All right. Um, but I kind of feel like when I'm in a home that uses just LED lights, it must be that they're using the white ones. That it, it does not feel welcoming. It, it feels awful. It feels awful to me. Maybe, but that's probably because I'm used to using incandescent lights. So I'm getting the impression I'm the only one that has this feeling. No, actually my best friend just bought a house and the first thing she did was, um, paint it. And she couldn't figure out why the color palettes she was choosing weren't working out once she was applying them. And I told her it was because all of the light bulbs she had put in were like the cool LED, where if she changed it out to a warmer color, and what do you know, when she did that, everything looked a hundred times better and felt warm and cozy. Okay. All right. Um. I I don't have much experience with the warm LED lights. I know that they're out there. Uh, I do know that we've put a lot of those solar LED lights outside. Um, you know, the ones that have like a little solar panel and a little light on them. Um, yeah. And and we have found that we like the ones that are warm white like twenty times more than the ones that are not warm white. Um. We have one of those, which is really terrific, where it fades on as you come near it, and then as you walk away from it, it kind of fades out. That light is amazing, but they don't make it anymore. I, I So I'm saying this out loud in the hopes that some solar light bulb person... I was going to mention, too, in, like, the fact of um, just having to... Um, replace LED lights, I found that a lot of the LED lights um, that I had been looking at, you didn't just, like, if it burnt out, you weren't just replacing the light bulb, you're replacing the entire fixture. 
Yeah, and that's where we're going to get into in a little bit here, where with DC Lights, that um, it doesn't require as much electronics. Because, like, if you've got a light, an LED light bulb, there's a lot of stuff in there to make that bulb work. There's a lot of electronics. There's a there's a lot of so it's a it's it's quite the thing, but there's not as much in DC. But now you're saying the whole fixture, the whole fixture. Yeah, yeah, but that's but but I think a lot of times what that's working out to be is is that um, in a way, if you just have a light bulb, there is quite the fixture happening inside that bulb. Right, I see. Yeah, and so anyway. DC, a DC LED is going to have a lot less innards to make the light work. That's why I'm going to say with with uh, an off-grid DC light that that's going to be a place where there's a bit of an exception to a lot of this. It's still got it still has problems, but the problems aren't as bad. But I think part of what you're trying to say is is more of that um, uh, planned obsolescence, disposable lifestyle. Like you get a lamp and and the light bulb part is not replaceable. It's all integrated and if if the light dies you have to replace the entire lamp. Yeah, exactly. And of course what they try to do is they try to tell you the LED light in there will outlast the lamp anyway. And <laughs> it's like I don't know if that's the case. I mean I think there's a lot of money to be made as they found out the reason why they had the Phoebus cartel. Man, if we could just get people to come, cause we make, if we give them a light bulb that'll last forever, they won't buy any more light bulbs. But if we can artificially shorten the lifespan. So I've been getting a lot of feedback from people in the last year that they're struggling to find an LED light bulb that will last a year. Oh, yeah. Um, I work as a property manager, and one of the things when we're renting out a unit is that we need to make sure that um, all of the light bulbs um, are working because that's one of the things that uh, tenants won't replace when they move out. And I, I, we replace boxes and boxes of light bulbs, um, and... Honestly, just where I am, it's hard to find anything but an LED, and those LEDs like won't even last six months. So, um, we're kind of back to the whole Phoebus cartel thing. They made those incandescent light bulbs have a very short lifespan, but maybe now you got to get uh, long life incandescence. Now, that's we should point out. By the way, Ashley, you are. In Canada, the land of ice and snow. Yeah, very much snow. It's probably snowed uh, 20 centimeters while we've been, uh, since I talked to you this morning. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking 20 centimeters sounds like about a foot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but the thing is, is that... Uh, if if it's a home that's on the grid and um uh it's um in a cold climate which is where you are 
then yeah. I would advocate for something else. Now, uh, the LEDs, they've, they've got their place if they're going to actually last. But yeah, if they're not going to last. Yeah, they're, they're, they are really awful. Okay. Quick note. If you are off grid and you have DC power, then the electronics for LED are simpler and thus the toxicity for production and disposal is less. If you wish to compare LED to CFL, LED is much better. But if you wish to compare the toxicity of LED to incandescent, now I've got another one of these things where I'm giving, I'm going to rate everything. Natural daylight, 10. Best. Natural daylight behind glass, 9.5. Incandescent light, 9. DC LED light, 5. AC LED light, 1.5. Worst. All right. Next section. Oh, and we're almost, we're getting close to the end. We've almost, you know, coming up on it now. Big energy savings, except in cold climates. In general, LEDs produce about four times more light per watt than incandescent bulbs. Now I think that, that the thing is, is it's supposed to be ten times, but I think that when I've seen the testing done, they like never come out at ten, and it's usually much less than ten. So, so being able to give you like the light of a sixty watt incandescent in six watts is more marketing than anything else. It's like um, it'll be seven watts, and it'll produce much less light than a sixty watt light bulb. That's my understanding. That's what I'm writing, and that's what was written in the book. Now it's possible, Kyle. You might you might have some better numbers for me. Say that again. Okay. the The claim for LED lights is to give you the same light for one tenth of the energy consumption. I believe what's more accurate is one quarter. And that the oh, no. rest is made up for with marketing. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. You don't know. Okay. All right. All right. So that's why in the book we say in general, LEDs produce about four times more light per watt than incandescent bulbs. And unlike CFLs, they really do produce four times more light per watt. The amount of light given off at any point in the first 30 seconds is the same as the amount of light given off at 10 minutes, just like incandescent. And unlike CFLs, the amount of light it gives off five years later is the same as when it was brand new. Now this has to do, this was like part of the tests I did for that, for that video I made years, 10 years ago. So I measured the luminosity of a bunch of different light bulbs. And basically, like, most CFLs would take half a second to a second and a half until they start putting out any light at all. And then their initial light is really dim. 
which means that if you're going to use this someplace where you turn lights on for only 30 seconds at a time, then it's like a lot of times the amount of light it puts out for those first few seconds is less than the, like dramatically less than um, uh, an incandescent light. And so, in fact, the amount of light per watt is worse than incandescent light for those first few seconds. Um, so, but LED light does come on right away. And it says, okay, so back, back to the book. But wait, I live in Montana. When it gets cold outside, the days get much shorter. When I need more light, I also happen to need more heat. An incandescent light has two big properties, high-quality light and radiant heat. Hmm. Radiant heat, when pointed at a person, is far more efficient than convective heat, which is the most common way that people heat their home. If you live in a cold climate and you're using incandescent lights willy-nilly about your house, thinking only of the light without a thought in the world of using them in an intelligent way, then the electricity is effectively free in the winter. The electricity is free because if you turn all of your lights off, your thermostat will then tell your heater to come on more. It will be almost exactly the same amount of energy. I can do better than free. If used intelligently, the incandescent light bulb can actually reverse your heat bill and save hundreds of dollars per year, maybe even thousands. In 2010, I moved into a house that was heated by electric heat, and using techniques outlined in Chapter 13, I cut 87% off my electric heat bill. The star of the show was a 40-watt incandescent bulb. In this case, four microheaters saved me about $900 for one winter. So, if you live in a warm climate, LED light, 10, best. That's you, Katie. Incandescent light, 3, worst. If you live in a cold climate, incandescent light used intelligently, 10, best. Incandescent light, five. LED light, one. Worst. And then here's the last paragraphs from the chapter. The ultimate example of greenwashing. If a person is on the grid and lives in a cold climate, there is no contest. Incandescent is dramatically superior. If a person lives in a warm climate or is off-grid, they will have to wrestle with their own values to make their own choices. The passionate armies of people fighting for CFLs and LEDs are fueled by professional greenwashing. I bought into it for a while myself. How embarrassing. I think LEDs have come a long way in the last five years. 
and things are looking promising. I'm excited about what the future might bring, and I hope that we eliminate all light bulb subsidies and artificially short product lifespans and political bans so our future discussions can be a little more direct. The bottom line about light bulbs, they are too trivial to talk about in this book, except to unravel the greenwashing that is preventing people from contemplating real solutions. I'm glad we had this chat and got that out of the way. Now for the really big stuff. All right. I know all of you have heard me talk about light bulbs way too many times. Thank you for enduring me doing it again. I do think <laughs> that in the book we, we did add a lot of very valuable stuff to this stuff about light bulbs. And it's possible that even here we are two years later and some things may have changed a little bit. But I think for the most part, it's still true that if you live in a cold climate and you're on the grid, incandescent is best. All right. I think we might be all done. Anybody got anything else for today? I was just going to say that I really appreciate this chapter because, like, if I ever get in an argument, like, in real life, not over the Internet, because that happens all the time, um, <laughs> it's usually over light bulbs. And my response nowadays has just been to throw this book at people. <laughs> I I find that when I get into an argument in real life, not over the Internet, about light bulbs, I say, I wrote a book about it. <laughs> I wish I could have that one. <laughs> and and so it's like, I I really don't feel like rehashing, you know, the entire chapter of what's in my book uh, about this, you know, with with you. Um, I've got other stuff I got to do. If you're not if if you're not convinced, I ask you to read my book. And if you don't want to, then you know, it's your choice, man. You get to do what you want to do. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty wore out on the topic myself. And as I said, I don't I never wanted to be the light bulb guy. Just as when you end up having this conversation with somebody, you don't want to be the light bulb gal at no. all. Even a little. <laughs> it's like this is not who I am. I've no. got far better things to talk about. So it's kinda like the whole idea of having this conversation for the 10,000th time. I mean, a big part of why I made that video 10 years ago is is having the conversation with anybody was just getting to be absolutely ridiculous. So I, I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like that video moved the whole conversation from this weird, twisted, shit storm to being like here's the video that proves it i mean i i'm sure everybody on this call right now has seen the video i speak of yeah I, yep i i feel like it proved it absolutely that the cfls are just total shit through and through I did all kinds of tests and and just showed it over and over and over again what garbage they are. And it's 
so bizarre to me. And then there's the other video that I have that's about heating people instead of the whole house and cutting 87% off of my electric heat bill, which, by the way, it should be something like if I were to do the test again, because it's 87% because I started the winter with less efficient tests and they got more efficient as the, te- as the winter went through. And I ended at 87%. But if I started with the good stuff at the beginning, it would have probably been closer to 94% or 95%. How I cut 95% off of my electric heat bill. So the, the thing is, is that it's like, I, and I don't think that those techniques are, are all that complicated. I have, have any of you had an opportunity to try the thing? where you heat yourself instead of the whole house. Yes. And what were your results? Um, I mean, I wouldn't be able to say, like, I noted it on the heat bill, because uh, if I'm going to be honest, it goes to my hubby's account, and I don't see it. <laughs> uh, okay. But I was able to, I don't know, instead of, like, having the furnace come on, Every five minutes, I just had made myself like my little office heater zone, and I was a lot more comfortable, and I didn't have to listen to my my eighty year old furnace <laughs> and having to blow dusty air all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> so after that video, I the thing I advocate for people to do is like implement all of the things for the micro heaters in your workspace or your couch or wherever it is you spend time, implement all of this stuff. And then um, what will happen is, is you get too hot. And, and so then you're turning the thermostat down over and over and over again. And so that's, that's the, the, the thing I recommend now. All right. That was, that was a long podcast. Um, Anybody else got anything else to say about that chapter? All right. Well, we'll we'll jump back in on chapter four next week, which is uh I believe covering the darkness of carbon footprint stuff. So it, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about incandescent light bulbs, <laughs> homesteading and permaculture. All the time. Hi, this is Mark. Sometimes talking to a friend or family member about permaculture can be met with a blank stare if it's all new to them. A great way to explain some of it can be over a card game using permaculture playing cards, which each have interesting facts with quality illustrations and descriptions. A wide range of people, places, and things, all related to permaculture, can be found on the permaculture playing cards at richsoil.com forward slash cards.